0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include hopes and dreams for interest rates, my interview with Guardian Mortgages' Jordan Jarvis on the daily grind of a mortgage loan originator and ways to keep closing deals in a tough lending environment, and what to look forward to on the economic calendar this week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Symbol Nexus an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Tens of thousands of loan officers at hundreds of IMBs, banks, and credit unions use the Simple Nexus homeownership platform to provide a world-class borrower experience. With one login, you and your borrowers can do it all from any device, from uploading docs and checking loan status to paying for appraisals and signing disclosures or closing documents. Learn more at Dot com. What some consider remarkable, although not in a good way, is how we find mortgage rates in the sevens again. The talk amongst many lenders is what can be done about it. Despite the yield curve being inverted, two-year yields are about 80 basis points higher than 10-year yields. Once again, independent mortgage banks are searching for hidden arm buyers, good home equity products, and continuing to offer down payment assistance programs Bond programs, and buy downs. But for many, the hope of 30 year fixed mortgage rates in the fives is temporarily shelved. On that subject, I wanted to bring on Guardian Mortgage's Jordan Jarvis to talk about the daily grind of a mortgage loan originator and ways to keep closing deals in a tough lending environment.
1: So after 2020 and 2021 were amazing years for the mortgage industry, 2022, the narrative was Falling volumes, rising rates, falling margins—a tough time. And twenty twenty three has continued that trend. You know, it's uh, we've heard about mergers and acquisitions and and layoffs, and it's you know, it's it's a tough time out there. So I, I want to start by
2: asking you, as an originator, how have you kept morale up? I think for me, the things that have worked the best um, in order to to keep morale up have been to focus on building discipline in my work and and outside of my work as well. Um, I think one of the main ways I've tackled that goal is by uh, doing a a better job of budgeting my time. Some people refer to that as time blocking. Um, It's the same concept. I I look at it just a little bit differently, I guess, but um, basically just making sure that you are making a plan for your time before your time makes a plan for you. And uh, I think generally the way I do that is kind of the same way I I budget, you know, even money from a commission's standpoint where you don't exactly know how much you're going to be making every month. And so you kind of have to be flexible with your budgeting, sort of make a list of priorities. And then uh, as you have money available, you know, you make sure that you spend it on the priorities first. And then, as your list goes down, it gets into less important things, more fun stuff, maybe. um, and as you have money available for those, then they can you know go towards those items. I look at my time uh, or have been trying to look at my time at least in a similar fashion, where you know the the non-negotiables have to get done uh, on a given day um and not knowing exactly what's gonna happen that day, um you know what it, what exactly life's gonna throw at me you make sure to get those get those non-negotiables done first and then afterwards you can focus on the on the smaller goals my dad at one point had given me a good analogy of uh, a jar filled with big rocks and filled with little rocks and i've always liked that the, the idea there is that the big rocks are the priorities, the little rocks are the kind of the fun stuff or the the non non priorities, I guess. And if you uh, if you fill up the jar with the little rocks first, and it's halfway full, then you try to fit all the big rocks in, they won't all fit. Uh, if the jar is kind of the <laughs> the amount of time you have in a day, whereas if you do the big rocks first, and then you put the little rocks in around them to fill up the spaces, then they'll all fit. Um, uh, kind of a word picture there that's always stuck with me for for how to budget that all feeds into just the idea of i think when you when you have a intention and a plan with your time uh, you're working towards a specific goal that you've set for yourself i think having that kind of structure each day gives you something to look forward to and i think that's where hope can come from and when things are just kind of grind every day it's it's easy to lose sight of that Um, but uh, when you've got a goal and a plan for getting there, I think that gives you a lot of hope and a way to kind of keep your eyes forward instead of just looking at the difficulty that you're in currently. The last piece I'd say is just making sure that you're engaging in good community uh, yeah, at your workplace and outside of it. I think having those good connections with people that are looking to uplift you and encourage you, are, uh, that's a huge deal. Following up on that,
1: take us inside a typical day for an LL. What What's it look like for you?
2: Well, the way it's looked for me has changed a bit (laughs) recently um, as I've tried to adapt and figure out how to succeed in the current environment. Um, Most of what I've been doing time-wise goes towards connecting with uh, realtors and real estate agents. Um, I think that's where, uh, well, I know that's where most of my business has come from uh, on a referral basis from those types of partners. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of focusing on uh, this year in particular on ways I can bring value to those relationships um, and help their businesses to grow. And then as a result of that, if they're growing and, and they know it's uh, partially because they are partnered with me, then uh, they'll take me right along with them. And I think when I have a lot of value, I can bring to a particular relationship um then uh that just makes me very valuable as opposed to the next guy so i've been uh, talking with a lot of realtors um i'd say i mean it's you know, i know some people are two and more a lot of people are doing a great job out there i'm probably doing about roughly 100 a week um and uh mostly what i'm talking about is you know kind of what i am able to bring to the table I've been working on some different presentations for different aspects of my business, um, working on uh, creating some new uh, value propositions, even just things like a weekly update and a quick little video text um, on uh, uh, where kind of the market is at and interest rates. Um, that kind of thing, just little stuff that you know it doesn't have to take me a crazy amount of time to do, but brings legitimate value to my partners and also pops my face up in front of them once a week too, just to kind of keep me on the radar. Um, I think that if you uh, develop that kind of goodwill and uh, value with somebody, they're going to appreciate that and um, return the favor down the road. So most of my day looks that way. Um, whether it's creating some of that content or talking to the realtors and and presenting that content to them. Um, I've also been getting a little bit into some social media stuff. Um, I look at that as kind of a bonus. I think the sort of the tried and true basics of uh, essentially cold calling or I know some people hate that and but it, it does work, and so I've been uh, I've been doing that quite a bit. I'm usually trying to get warm leads through having some kind of a contact or value proposition I can bring into it ahead of time. Uh, so it's not just a, you know, hey, give me your business kind of a thing, um, but having a very compelling reason why. Um, and then, uh, the rest of my day typically is, you know, if I'm not talking to somebody over the phone as I'm usually trying to meet with people in person, I think those are the more effective conversations. Um, and so scheduling as many of those per week as I can. Well, at the risk
1: of belaboring the point here. <clears throat> What's it take to actually carve out business in an environment like this? Yes, cold calling people is great. Social media outreach is great. Commu- having a community is great. Those, I'm sure you 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 could reiterate those things. But to actually close loans, what, what's it taking? It's tough out there.
2: Yeah, I'd say a couple of things. And, and I think what I've said does apply already. But then just to get more, a little bit more fine of a point on there, um, <clears throat> I think it takes – it takes what it took when I first got into the business, um, but just probably a double or triple the volume, triple the amount of activities that I was doing. Um, and so, in, in some sense, I think it just takes uh, it just takes more time at it, uh, more more nose to the grindstone. Um, at the same time, though, I think one of the important distinctions I've made as I've been talking to so many people is. That I'm I'm doing it, looking for my people, so to speak, looking for uh, people that I like and people that I'm excited to work with. Um, I think if I talk to somebody and in our conversation, I just get a real sense that this is not somebody I'm going to work well with. They don't approach their work with the same type of attitude or outlook that I do. Um, They're just a desperately negative <laughs> person. Or uh, they maybe even mistreat people, or they're back talking about others. You know, to me in our conversation, I just don't want to be associated with people like that. I don't want to be around that in my workday. Um, times are hard enough already without needing that kind of uh, that kind of person in your life. And so, um, I think people like to work with people that they trust and that they uh, that they like. And I'm the same way. And so, I'm looking for those people. Um, you know, somebody wants to toss me a deal here or there. That's great. But I think the ones that are actually going to be loyal partners are the ones who trust you and like you. And there's a lot of lenders out there that are really good. You know, that's, that's just the truth. And I'm, I I think that I am very good at what I do. Um, I've got a lot of good reviews and stuff to show that, but at the same time, excuse me, there's a lot of, a lot of other people out there that are also very good and i think the thing that can differentiate me from them is the fact that they are not me and so i need to really lean into that and that's my kind of main competitive advantage is that i'm the only one who's me and so uh, finding the people that i connect with on a personal level i think is a way that i can make a connection that nobody else can and i think those are the kind of connections that ultimately develop loyalty um develop that trust and develop business in the long run so those are the people i want to find and grow my business with in the uh, in the long term yeah i know when when i was looking for a mortgage i I decided
1: to go with a a company where i I had a good relationship with the president rather than shop around for the lowest rate possible because I, i do value the relationship side of this business i also remember though when i was running a lock desk every day my originators would come to me. Oh, we're getting beat up on rates. I can't compete with this bank. I can't, I can't, how am I supposed to close any loans? Blah, 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 What can, what can you do for me, Robbie? So I want to ask you when you might not be able to match the rates of some depositories, how do you compete?
2: Well, I think you just nailed it uh, right there. Um, you said that when you were, when you were working on the business side of it, it was all about rate, 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 but when you were a customer, you went with somebody you had a relationship with. And I think that's the temptation that we can get into as lenders is to um, to forget about the relationship and just think about the numbers. Um, I think that is easier to do. But at the end of the day... Having a low rate is great, um, but that's not always an option. And uh, I think that the the thing that's actually more valuable to people is that relationship. You know, I say I I compete primarily through education and through uh, through empathy or through that that personal relationship. I think that not only sometimes the lowest rate isn't actually the best deal, and so I think education can come into play there by by showing somebody who maybe hasn't done it before here's how the mortgage process works here's the different ways that you know we can we can customize uh, the way this loan is is fitting for your situation uh closing costs compared to interest rate all that stuff um but then also i think the value of a lower rate uh that's not that's nothing to sneeze at but i think that can be outweighed a lot of the time by the value of a personal relationship with somebody who uh, who cares about that person's success and their well-being and their future uh, you don't get that through an online lender uh, typically um, and and frankly too i think that there, there's a there's a portion of customers out there who are looking to be able to hit a button on a online website and get a mortgage And that's great. If that's what they're wanting, then there's products out there for them and more power to them. I think that most people are not looking for that. I think that most of the market is looking for somebody that they feel like they can connect with and trust, uh, ask questions to, you know, somebody has a, a question about what's going on with their loan. Nine times out of 10, the calls I get are ones that they could easily Google and look for themselves. But uh, uh, but the reality is they don't do that. They call me because they want to talk to me, um, and I think uh, I think there's a lot of value in that for people. So the other thing too is that rate often doesn't even come up. I mean most most buyers don't shop around, uh, and so I think you know most of the time there that's of secondary importance even to the client, uh, although they might not realize it. Um, and so if you can be there and deliver great service. Uh, be trustworthy, uh, be on time, um, have integrity with uh, the way you communicate. Uh, I think all those things add up to getting you a lot more deals than not, um, even if your rate isn't the lowest. You were kind enough to share
1: some notes with me before this podcast, which as a capital markets professional, this next question I'm about to ask you, I I loathe your answer a little bit, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) And that's no knowing exceptions and concessions are tracked. What circumstances do you save those for?
2: So in my mind, at least I kind of have a couple of ways I go with that. And and this may be a slightly outside of your question, but in general, I say that with uh, with things like lender credits and special programs, you know, we offer like a hero's credit for uh, first responders and um, coaches and teachers and that kind of thing, military people. Um, that gives them a, a bunch of money off the closing costs and things like that. I give out, um, as often as I can, just because I, I believe it's in the best interest of the customer. It's, it's always, uh, already been approved, um, by the company. Uh, and I just want to use that as a way I can honor somebody, um, for actual pricing exceptions, um, in in my opinion, those are typically a last resort for a couple of reasons. I think that by the time you're giving a pricing exception, you are uh, you're running into a couple of risks. The first off is that you're you're risking devaluing your own product and the services that you're bringing to the table. Um, I think that if somebody finds a better rate out there, and then they come to you and say, "Hey, I got this rate." and then you just immediately match it, drop your price, then the natural question in my mind is, well, why wasn't your price that to begin with? Um, or how come I wasn't offered that rate to start with? And you know, I think, well, the reason it wasn't that low to begin with is because uh, we have a product that is worth what we're charging for it. And that product isn't just the loan. it's It's everything that comes with it. It's the loan. It's the uh, the loan officer, the communication, the trust that's built there. Um, it's the follow-up, it's the communication with, uh, all parties involved in the deal, um, to, uh, uh in a way that's, that's clear and excellent and, and often with the communication. Um, you know, in our case at Guardian Mortgage, it's, uh, with oftentimes there's, uh, servicing on the vast majority of our loans. And so they're staying with the company throughout the life of their loan. Um, I think there's usually a way to win a deal without needing to devalue your product and your services. And as an employee too, I think it's important to have kind of that owner's mindset. And, uh, and one of the things that I care about is that the company is able to make a profit on, on deals. And I don't want, uh, I don't want to just give up money where we don't need to. Um, so, With that approach to it, I kind of save a pricing exception as a last resort. Um, On the occasions where an exception is necessary in order to win a deal, um, then I'll ask for it. I think it is better to get something than nothing. Um, I typically will only ask if I'm very confident that we'll actually get it and that the pricing exception is going to be the thing that, that does win the deal. I'll usually try to get at least some verbal commitment from the buyer that, you know, yeah, if I get you this exception, are you going to move forward with us? Um, and, uh, and then go from there. What I'm picking up on throughout this conversation,
1: relationships do mean a lot in this industry. So I want to close by asking you, what have you learned about borrowers during your time as an LO?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And boy, there's so many answers to that. Um, I think ultimately, as every lender, I think will tell you, we're in a people business and I think good salespeople are customer centric. And so in order to truly understand your customer, uh, you need to know where it is they're coming from and what their, what their true needs are. And you're not going to know that unless you ask them and engage with them. Uh, there's a motive behind every action. And uh, I think that, you know, people aren't buying a home because they are buying a home. They're buying it because, you know, of 101 different reasons um, that they're bringing into the transaction with them. You know, their family is growing, moving for a job. They're buying their first house. Whatever it is, on their end of things, as everybody who's listening and has bought a home before can tell you, there's so much that goes into that process for the buyer. And I think as a lender, it can be tempting to just treat it like it's another transaction. But I think that's a a poor way to do it because that's not really what's going on. And uh, I think your service is going to suffer if you do it that way. Uh, I think that most people, you know, like we've said before, they want somebody that they can talk with and trust. Um, And so having that relationship established, making sure you're asking the why, behind the what, um, is really, really important. And every borrower is so different that, you know, you can have two deals that maybe on the numbers are exactly the same, but they're vastly different because of the people involved in them. Um, and so you have to be a bit of a chameleon too, I think, to learn to read people well so that you can, uh, not be fake or put a mask on or anything, but just learn to communicate very effectively in a lot of different styles. Um, So I guess summing that up, I think that that quote that uh, was given to me of just there's a motive behind every action is is what I think about a lot that uh, just because somebody's saying something doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're not pulling that out of the blue. There's there's reasons why. Um, And it's my job, I think, to find that out so that I can help them the best the best way possible. Well put
1: well i guess, and i guess the next time i i go for a loan or go to refinance my loan i i can count on you for a little uh therapy session there a psychoanalysis of of me
2: uh there you I, go yeah <laughs> i can <laughs> you know it's funny you say that i can wrap up with just a quick story that's always been very inspirational to me i guess um uh my uncle uh was uh, in sales for a very long time and was extremely good at it a different industry but but still doing sales and um, I just remember uh, watching him do his job when I was growing up, and he would have customers come into his office all the time who didn't need anything uh, from him, um, but they uh, they had dealt with him before, and uh, he was the kind of person who cared so much about them that uh, they they were able to recognize that even in the midst of doing business. And they would come back because I think for a lot of people, he was the only person in their life who did listen and actually cared and, uh, and took the time to establish a connection with them in that way. And I think just what incredible value he brought, uh, besides just bringing a good product at a good price to the marketplace. There's a lot of value there. Um, but then to go above and beyond – uh, just because of the kind of man that uh, that he is um, and was when he was doing the job to uh, uh, be able to do that for people. I just was always uh, uh, really admired that and wanted to bring that in with my job as well. Well put.
1: My dad always talked about how it's product price service, whether you're selling mortgages or, or pencil erasers. So that's right. <laughs> exactly. This was great. Thank you so much for your time today, Jordan.
2: Yeah, I sure appreciate it, Robbie. Thank you.
0: The jobs report could be the biggest talking point of this week after Federal Reserve Governor Christopher Waller warned interest rates may have to be raised more than expected if economic data comes in hot. Investors will also be paying close attention to treasury yields, especially the 10-year treasury note after its flirtation with the 4% level. Friday's February jobs report could have huge significance following the January blowout number of 517,000 job additions. The consensus estimate is for 215,000 new jobs to have been added to the economy last month, but a lower number could shift the narrative on if the January print was a one-off. The unemployment rate is expected to hold steady at 3.4%, and a 0.3% month-to-month bump in average hourly earnings is anticipated. Glancing back, economic data released over the last week did nothing to change the narrative that the economy is not slowing quickly enough to put significant downward pressure on inflation towards the Fed's 2% target. Services data remains strong and above many analysts' forecasts, while manufacturing data is only gradually weakening. In fact, core new orders increased 0.8% in January. The pullback from the disproportionately high pandemic-era demand for goods is expected to further weaken manufacturing activity. Consumer confidence fell 3.1 points in February as consumers weigh persistently high inflation and a recent spike in interest rates against a robust jobs market. Looking at our biz, pending home sales spiked 8.1% in January when mortgage rates dipped prior to the recent stronger-than-expected inflation data. Over the last week, mortgage purchase applications were at a 27-year low and rates are roughly half a point higher since the end of January. While the expectation that mortgage rates will be lower at the end of the year remains, they are expected to remain higher for longer until significant progress is made slowing economic activity and reducing inflation. This week is packed with market-moving potential, including Chair Powell's semi-annual monetary policy testimony tomorrow and Wednesday, as well as the mini-refunding tomorrow through Thursday along with the monthly U.S. jobs report on Friday. Other economic data of potential interests include factory orders, wholesale inventories, consumer credit, ADP employment, and challenger job cuts. Regarding MBS, February agency prepayments will be released this evening with Class A 48 hours on Thursday. Kicking off the economic calendar is January factory orders, due out later this morning. We begin the week with agency MBS prices better by an eighth to a quarter versus Friday's close and the 10-year yielding 3.91 after closing last week at 3.96 percent. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Agarda is driving down O'Connell Street in Dublin when he sees two fellas urinating in public in an alley. He parks his car and walks over to them, asking the first fella for his name and address. The man replies, I'm Patty O'Toole of No Fixed Abode. So the guard turns to the second fella and asks the same question, to which he replies, I'm Ben Riordan, and I live in the flat above Patty. (laughs) Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the home ownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, incentive compensation, and business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus, an Encino company, visit SimpleNexus.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at Robbie at RobChristman.com. Visit RobChristman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.